Welcome to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Podcast, the place for women who want to balance their ambitious career goals with their life as a mom. If you're looking to feel more confident, decisive, and productive at both work and home, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Rebecca Olson. Let's get to it. Hello, ambitious working moms. It's been so fun to hear from so many of you over the last couple of weeks. We've been celebrating the 100th episode of this podcast that just happened a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I'm still getting emails from some of you, hearing from you on what this podcast has meant to you, some of your big takeaways. And I just wanted to share a couple with you. I actually received this email just today from a listener. And here's what she said. Your podcast is amazing. I love, love, love it. I think by far the biggest takeaway for me has been understanding that balance is not an external thing, but a mindset. Wow, that is a huge thing. I was always working to try to balance by counting the hours or at least the milestones, like how many dinners I make it to this week, how many soccer games I get to watch. This has left me scrambling for a better schedule to achieve my goals and a feeling that, of course, I didn't feel balanced. It's because I haven't yet managed to get X or Y negotiated with my working hours. But since listening to your podcast, I am much more understanding that it, if it feels good, if it chimes with my values, then I can be balanced, even if it's not a fair split of time between work and family life. You've saved me so much emotional upset, and I will always be grateful to you. Oh, so good. I love that this listener is talking about balance as a mindset because that is at the heart of so many things that we talk about. And I love how she illustrates the difference between where her thinking was at and how she was trying to get all of her ducks in a row, her circumstances in a particular way, her schedule in a certain way, and finding that that it's not manageable to do all of that. But what is manageable is changing what she thinks and her perspective. And so good. It just feels so good. I want to share one more that has something very similar to say. This was a listener I heard from a little while ago, and she said, I cannot begin to describe to you how impactful this podcast has been in my life. It has been so influential in changing my mindset when I go to work. I constantly struggle with work-life balance. Understanding that balance is your mindset has been so helpful. I'm not going to lie. I use your advice with my patients every day, and I recommend your podcast to many of them as well. They love it. Thank you for what you do. Uh, Again, this listener kind of pointing out that balance is a mindset. It comes from the way you're thinking about yourself and your life. Thank you for sharing, ladies. And If you haven't reached out, but you want to share some of your breakthroughs with me, you want to share some of your takeaways, I would love to hear from you. You could send me an email at Rebecca at RebeccaOlsonCoaching.com. And don't forget, I love hearing podcast episode ideas. I heard from a number of you on that as well. So send me those as well to the same address. Okay. But on today's podcast, I am rebroadcasting an interview that I did back in 2021 with a client that had just finished up with me. We had worked together for nine months, and we just had one of the best conversations around what it takes to really put up boundaries and take ownership over your time and your energy and your priorities. I thought it would be really valuable to rebroadcast it again. 
Erin Bowald is her name, and she shares with us how different she feels about herself as a mom, how clear she feels around her role at work and her priorities in life, how grounded she feels in herself and her strengths. And she shares with us how she is able to leave work at 4.30 every day without guilt, and ultimately how she's been able to work less but achieve more through the tools and the processes that she learned in coaching. Erin is so fun to listen to. She has so many great stories to share. And this podcast is one that I recommend to so many women that are thinking about working with me in coaching because it gets to the heart of what we do, which is to value yourself as a human being more than to value yourself as a human worker. And in coaching, we focus on separating your identity from your job. And Erin does such a great job explaining how we go about doing that and then what happens when you do that hard work. Just like so many of my interviews, I hit the record button mid-conversation, so you're not going to hear her share about herself or kind of do a proper intro until a couple of minutes in to the podcast, but I really wanted to keep this part of the conversation in the podcast because I think it's so relatable to all of us as working moms, and it illustrates how far she had come kind of pre-coaching to post-coaching. All right, working moms, let's get to it. Okay, real quick, before we get into this interview, Erin coached with me one-on-one for nine months. Her journey is not unlike many ambitious women that feel overwhelmed and lost when they head back to work after maternity leave. She's an executive at a job, feeling a lot of responsibility and loyalty to her company and her team. She's a little bit of a go-getter. She has a positive attitude. Everybody sees her as a go-to person. And all of that contributed to her really getting to this level in her company. But when her daughter was born, she just could no longer devote the hours and the energy that she once could. In coaching, we worked on figuring out how she could stay productive and effective at her job without working all of the hours. In this interview with Erin, she shares the main tools we use to help her regain her confidence and start achieving at a new level. And as an FYI, we're picking up this interview mid-conversation. So today was like a year ago. If today had happened, I would have really lost my shit because it was like the day where everything that could go wrong would go wrong, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, dang it, like I'm going to do this podcast. Like I need to be in a good headspace. But the thing that was so funny, it made me realize like, oh no, you can get yourself in a good headspace. Like you know how to like bring yourself down from this. You know what I mean? So like Kennedy was home with RSV for an entire week. Oh, like awful. she had a oh my gosh, it was so terrible. She's back at daycare today. Today's the first day. Um, yeah, but so yeah, so like of course we're like going out the door and she has a complete meltdown. Drew's already out the door and I'm just like, I gotta go. I've got a meeting at eight, late to the meeting, forgot my coffee at home. I'm just like, come on. Like, but then I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's totally fine. Nothing, nothing terrible happened. But I really think like I would have had this negative cloud a year ago. Like it would have been harder for me to just get out of that space. But you know, listen to some music on the way in from work, felt good about it and was like, you know, this didn't no damage was done. It's all good. So right. I love that. What a great way to even start talking about this is so much of the like the before and after, if you will, of our work together. And 
you seem to be very clued in to, wow, I would have like flipped out if this had been a year ago, or I handled this totally differently than I would have a year ago, or like you say that a lot. So there's a very, there's a clear difference in your, in what you notice about yourself that has really changed and you, and it comes to mind all the time. I just had my mid-year evaluation with my supervisors and it's amazing also to hear them say like, you're different. You're a different person. Like you're calm. Like what's, you know, and I mean, they know, they know what's been happening, but it's just, it's so good too, that like, it's not just me that feels that way. And, and I'm noticing it like when other people and my, my bosses are noticing it, that feels really good. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. And actually, like I just had another conversation with another client about the same exact thing. She said, I had my review. And the very first thing they said was, you're just so calm. <laughs> Maybe there's a bunch of crap going on underneath, but I don't see that. And they're, and they're like, no, actually, I just, I feel calm. Like I, I, I'm I feel actually totally calm. different. I'm actually <laughs> calm. I'm not just like putting up this facade you know, which of course is never really a facade. Everybody, everybody knows that you have a bunch of stuff going on underneath the surface, right? So I love it. I love that you feel it. Other people notice it. I know we've talked about your husband who's noticed it. Like across the board, it has seen like the big changes. I'm curious, like if you were to tell us a little bit about the moments that you recognize as being different, like what are some of those moments? It's so interesting because like we talk a lot about like, where do you feel the emotion or the, the, I don't know, the angsty feeling when I start to get stressed. And, um, a lot of times it's like in my chest. And I think in those moments now, it's like, I start to feel it. And then it's this amazing thing, which again, it's like, these are just tools. Like, I don't know why this it seemed like so hard. It's so easy. But once I feel that like in my chest, I'm just able to like, take a step back, think, and a lot of the moments where, where these things come up are things that like, it happens a lot. Like they're just like moments where I feel like I'm not doing enough or I might disappoint someone and I get that feeling in my chest. And before it was just that feeling would last for so long. Like it would last with me for the whole day or, or hours or even days and now it's it's like I start to feel that feeling and it's almost like a trigger for me to start, okay, wait, let's ask yourself some questions. Why are you feeling this? Where is this coming from? Is this just something you're telling yourself? Like, is this true? Or is this like something that you're just telling yourself out of, you know, fear or judgment or whatever? But it's so good that I can... I've shortened that period of time, that painful, like, oof, in my chest. That period of time is so much shorter now. And that is like such a blessing. I talk a lot with my clients about just identifying kind of the cycle that you're in that causes that anxiety and causes that emotion. And everybody kind of can clue into that cycle differently. Sometimes you're really aware about what you're thinking about and that, and that is you're hyper aware of that. Sometimes you're very aware like you are of the emotion and like how it feels in your body. And that's how you recognize that this is going on. Sometimes you're aware of what you're doing. Like I'm totally procrastinating. I'm not doing anything and I should totally be doing this thing. And I'm not, you know, like everybody is kind of aware. And for you, like really cluing into how it feels and then recognizing that every time I feel that I just know, like, I don't even have to 
I don't have to do any research about it. Like I just know here's, this is what's going on. I'm feeling inadequate. I'm feeling that I'm doing something wrong. I'm feeling like it's pretty much just always that. And it's like, okay, well now let's, now that I know that let's, what do I want to feel like? Is this really true? And you can kind of go through the the tool, some of the tools that we have to, to kind of assess that and get yourself out of that. Um, but your hyper awareness to that is, is huge. I love that. Which is so funny because I feel like in our first few conversations, I think I had, I mean, maybe I was a little aware. I was like, like you said earlier, like it was such a facade. I was like, I'm fine. I don't feel the things, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny. Like where I came from in the, like starting those conversations with you and how different it is now. Like when I started feeling those things, it was just hard for me to even talk about it because it would just almost make me feel worse. But I wasn't asking myself the right questions. It's superhuman for us to want to avoid that. Like when we're feeling inadequate and we're worried about disappointing somebody and we're feeling disappointed or, you know, whatever it is, obviously superhuman for us to just say, I know, I don't want to feel that. That's, I know that that's not true. Or you just kind of gloss over it, right? You don't really dive into it, but you don't do anything with it. And then that emotion just sits there, like you said, and it can kind of just be there for and affect everything (laughs) from work to the way you're interacting with your kids to, you know, any kind of productivity, like it just affects everything versus just recognizing it, bringing it to the surface (laughs) and deciding what you want to do about it. Yes. And that is a much more efficient way to go about life than like pushing feelings down or like stewing about feeling a certain way or being frustrated and not being able to like do anything about it and just overthinking the same things. It's like, that is so inefficient. Like, I feel like I I would find myself being so busy, but I made myself busier overthinking things versus just addressing like, okay, here's, here are all the things that are making me busy. What can I give up? And I can give up some things and I can say no to some things. But before I just like allowed myself to sit and stew in the the craziness and I like couldn't get myself out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So we're already a couple of minutes into talking that about this and I ha- we haven't even introduced you. So oh, Aaron, yeah, tell us Oops. about you. Tell us a little bit about maybe what you do, how many kids you have and just give us the, the sense of, of you. So I am Erin Bowald, um, and I am the executive account director at Symantle in Peoria, Illinois. And Symantle is a marketing communications firm. So um, I'm and my team are basically in charge of our client relationships and kind of managing our our internal teams. And so um, love my job. I've been doing it for 14 years now, Um, (laughs) kind of grew up at the company. So obviously, I love it. And I'm a wife and a mom, have an amazing husband who, thank God, is the exact opposite of me. Very calm and relaxed. Um, (laughs) God love him. And um, I have one daughter and she will be two in October. Yeah, it's coming up. How exciting. I know. It's so weird. I can't believe she's that old. Yeah. She's like two going on 16. So I hear you. I hear you. So good. So good. And so, so much of our coaching together has been really to figure out how to balance life and figure out how to stay at the level that you're at to like work in terms of the effectiveness of your work as well as the productivity 
and not do that, not like sacrifice your family and your time with your and time with Kennedy and so forth in order to to maintain that. And we talked about this, you know, just last week and I and I thought it was such a great illustration or it would just it brought something to mind for me or it lit something up in me as, as we just talked about how when we are before kids, when we're when we're career driven, our 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 job, our career tends to we kind of treat it like our our baby on some level, right? And so we give so much attention and love to our careers that's a great thing. There's a lot of healthiness to it and so forth. But then this kid comes into the picture and your allegiance has to change. Yeah. And there's this process that we have to go through in order to figure out how to maintain the quality of our work and the productivity and all of that stuff with something else being the actual central priority. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, it was like, I mean, I worked at Samantha for 12 years. And like I said, I grew up at the agency. It was, I mean, I was single when I started, didn't know Drew. So that was kind of right, wrong, or indifferent. That was like what I put so much energy in. And the reason I'm at where I'm at today is because of that energy and, and the work that I put in and the relationships I made. And so then, and when I became a mom, it was about five months before COVID, right? So I became a mom at a really weird time. So not only was I like trying to figure out how to be a mom. So I go back, you know, from maternity leave, I'm there a couple months and then the world shuts down. And it was so, it was so crazy because when I was on maternity leave, Again, that was like my identity. I'm a mom, but so much of me and all my coworkers would tell tell you this. I'm such I'm a little bit of a control freak. I can't stand not knowing what's going on. So on maternity leave, I'd be like messaging, like, where did this project land? I'm just curious, like what's going on? Because so much of my identity is wrapped up in my work. And so I didn't really feel like me when I was at, at home during maternity leave, right? Like I needed more people. And so when I came back, it was January and I was so excited to come back and it was hard. Obviously it was just this weird new thing. All, all working moms kind of know this, right? You, you're sacrificing time with your kid for your job or you feel like that's a sacrifice. Um, so it was a struggle, but at the same time I started to like, feel like myself again because I had my people and I still got to go home and hug Kennedy and spend that quality time with her. And then two months in, it's like, wait, we're on lockdown. There's a pandemic. This is a whole new thing. So I just started feeling like myself and then that happened. So it was kind of like when we started talking was a few months after that. And it was kind of like I was on that roller coaster of emotion and figuring out how do I find this balance? This is this is so new. And then to do it in this pandemic world was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where you never really left your house. Yes, for sure. Well, I think you have, and the reason why I really wanted to bring you particularly onto this podcast, because I think there is such a very clear transformation that you've gone through in from feeling a life of very out of sorts and out of balance and that period of confusion that lasts for so many kind of career driven women when they become moms of just trying to figure out what, you know, what do I do and how do I make this all happen to now? I feel like is is such a, you know, is such a, an amazing transformation you've been on. So I, I feel like you have so much to offer and we've already talked about one 
kind of tool. And I want to kind of dive into a little bit about what, what are some of the main things that you've done in order to get to this place of balance and, and how we would kind of like succinctly narrow them down. And we've talked about one already, which was just this tool of, of kind of recognizing emotions that come up, particularly kind of achy emotions and not pushing them away, but like noticing them and, and dealing with them in the moment so that they don't affect absolutely everything that you do after that. So it's kind of one thing we've already talked about that. I love that. And I'm, I'm, I know the first thing that we talked about when we were kind of prepping for this, this interview was like, set your boundaries and stick to them. And you said to me, you're like, just decide you're going to leave at five and then just leave, like leave at five. Like when you decide, <laughs> tell me, like who knew you were in, con- you were in control of that. I can't believe <laughs> I'm actually in control of me leaving the building. Yeah. No, I think like, again, because I was so used to for 12 years, like, you know, I had some boundaries, of course, but I, I would do whatever it took to make sure we got the job done and getting the job done to me meant doing all the things for all the people. And that's like not healthy. Right. And so with a baby at home, it feels really bad when you only have three hours with that child out of daycare before she goes to bed to spend with that kid. And then you're trying to finish some things up at work before you get home. And so one of the things that I think I realized through time was as I tried to start setting some boundaries for myself, I would feel guilty. Like what will people think? Like I'm not working hard enough and there must be some value in in me working harder and working more. And one thing that helped me with that is we talked a lot about my values and what my my job is at my company and why people value me, why I'm in the role I'm I'm in. And I think one of the things that I realized is I don't think people are going to say we value Erin because she stays until 6:30. It that's not it. Like they value <laughs> They value my the energy that I bring and the connections I'm able to make. And they value those things, not the exact amount of time and when I like log off. And one of the things that I think through your coaching, it helped me realize when I walk in the day in the morning, if I worked late the night before, never shut off, I my energy coming in that next day sucked, right? And if they're paying me, for some of those things that are in my values and the things that they value me for. And my energy is one of them and being able to like have tough conversations. I can't do that first thing in the morning when I've stayed late and I've worked longer than I should on things that probably I didn't really need to work on just because I felt like people wanted to see me working hard or see the time that I spent on things. And so I think through this coaching, it kind of helped me realize what is my purpose here? focus on that. It's not about time. And that helped me keep some of those boundaries. So that was one thing. And hold on, I want to pause there because I, I like to say, I always like to say like your company pays you for your brain. They don't pay you to do everything for everyone. And, and even to check more things off of your to-do list. I mean, technically they're not really paying you for that. They're paying you for your brain and what's inside of it and your expertise and your knowledge and your ability your ability to prioritize and your ability to strategically decide what's most important what's not and like to think big picture and to like mind map you know map everything out i mean that's what they're really paying you for they're not paying you to sit there and and 
literally do a checklist, right? So of course you've got to get stuff done. Like we're not, we're not excluding the fact that that needs to get done, but ultimately the thing that drives that is your brain. And so recognizing like, what's, what is the value that my particular brain brings to this company? What's the value that it brings to this world? I mean, we dive deep into talking about your values and your identity and your purpose and really coming up with some very clear language for you to start to be able to describe yourself and what your value is. So that in these moments at five o'clock, when you're like, I really like, I got to get out the door, you can go, you, you believe like you can come back to those words and those beliefs about yourself and say, I got, I still have a ton of stuff done. I'm walking away mid project and I will be much better off. And the company is going to be much better off tomorrow (laughs) if I leave right now. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful too. It's just, and I even feel like it's clicked for me even more in the past few months where sometimes setting boundaries is just like, you just gotta, you gotta commit. And I found that when I actually did it, when I actually shut down and the, the big thing for me was telling my team I'm doing it. Cause one of the things that's really, that's really hard for me is I never want to feel like I'm not helping someone or I'm not online for them or there when they need me. But guess what? When you actually tell someone, Hey, I don't work between five and seven forty-five, eight o'clock at night because that's my sacred time with my kid. They are like, okay, great. I'll reach out to you tomorrow. I'm like, oh, wow. So if I actually tell you that, you respect that. And it's a thing. That wasn't so hard. So part of it for me was just communicating, hey, guys, this is my time with Kennedy. Like, Unless it's a huge emergency, I'm probably not going to see any messages you send me. And for me, it was so much communicating that out and the reception back to that and the respect back from that was huge. And I'm like, oh, people value the fact that I am shutting down and I am going and spending time with my family. And I think that was just a belief that I had in my own head that I had to work through. No one was putting that in my head but myself. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's certainly not, you are not the only one that holds this belief. I mean, I know. The, the, the saying no, the saying I can't do that today, the denying meeting requests, you know, like all of that, everybody feels on some level, a level of discomfort with doing that. You don't like hit it and go, well, you know, <laughs> screw you. That feels great. You know, you know, yeah. you know of course you don't yes. do that. You hit it and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't be there for you, that you're not the priority today or maybe on for the season or whatever it is. Like I'm, that feels icky to say. And company is paying you to make that call, to make a call to like save your energy and to know what your brain needs to most be used for. Right. And so of course there's discomfort with that. And that was one of the other things that we talked a lot, a lot about is just being willing for other people to be disappointed and, and to have that be uncomfortable and for you to be disappointed and feel that feeling that comes up when you, when you have to say no, and that's, you're not going to feel great about it, but it's okay to feel kind of sad and icky about it. Yes. Well, and to just accept that that's a reaction that will happen. So I think I, for so long, was like, okay, how can I get through the day and the week making sure that no human is ever sad or unhappy? And that's just not reality. And so I think just sometimes going into a circumstance and saying, 
this is going to suck. They're going to be a little disappointed. And I have to know that they're going to be disappointed. And I'm going to be disappointed. Just accepting that reality sometimes is enough to like get through it, you know? And the other thing is me saying no and me not being involved in certain things in some ways help my team grow. And 100%. Tell us way more about that because I I love that thought. (laughs) Well, I mean, again, I think. I think sometimes I've been in this role for, gosh, maybe like uh, two years, maybe the role that I'm I'm in now. And I think a part of me was still trying to do my previous role where I was in the work. I was managing a set of clients, making the calls on everything for specific projects. And so it's a tough transition when you go from that to kind of overseeing, you know, the whole department and understanding, well, what decisions should I be making and what decisions should the account planner, my former role, what decisions should that person be making? Um, and it's it's hard sometimes to step back and let them make decisions that may be a little different than de- the decisions that you would make. Always. Um, and so... Just like I your husband's going to clean the house differently than you are. And it's oh going to be gosh. slightly different. And we that's could have okay. a whole <laughs> podcast on how my husband <laughs> cleans the house and how I clean the house. Right. That's for another day. But no, so I think it's really interesting because one of the people that reports to me worked with him for a really long time. And I was totally being a pain in his ass. I was just so like in the work with him, driving decisions. I was just, I was in it too much. And of course I was crazy busy and was overwhelmed, but yet he's fully capable, but I had to be in there. I learned a ton from him because he's like, hang on a second. Like, I feel like you don't have faith in me to get this done and at the end of the day, I may go about it in a completely different way, but I think what we would end up at the same place. Can you just let me do this and trust me to do it? And I'm like, wow. Yes. And of course I trust him. It was just this, <laughs> yeah. this feeling of like, no, I, I, I need to help you. I need to make sure you need me. Um, and it was so, and I love that I have a transparent enough relationship with my team that he felt comfortable saying like, hey, back out. Like, let me do this. Let me show you I can do this. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And so in those moments when I have backed out, I mean, he killed it, right? He he did an awesome job. He did it a little differently than I would have done, but it was great. It was probably better than than if I would have had my hands in it, you know? And so that was an, an awesome learning moment for me too that I learned, um, you know, from someone that reports to me. And it was like, thank you for calling me on my shit. Like, thank you. I'm glad we can be transparent. I'm glad we can have this because it only makes each other better. So when we got to this point, when you when you finally were able to put up some of the boundaries, right, which is the first set, like first step, we have to get there first. We have to get to this point where you say no, you hard cap, I'm leaving at five, where you start denying meetings, you know, all, all for the sake of, of, you know, raising efficiency and productivity at work, but not working more hours, right? That's the goal. (laughs) So when you were finally able to do that, it opened up this next set of conversations that we could have, which is, okay, so in order for people to be equipped and for your team to be equipped, since you manage, you know, a team and so many people that listen to this podcast are leaders and managers of people like now now that opened up a question to what do i need to do 
so that they feel equipped and I don't have to be in this meeting anymore, you know, or that they never have to feel like they have to come to me. What do I need to communicate? What do I need to, what kind of skills do I need to like rise up in them? How do I, how do I bolster their confidence that they can do it? You know, we were talking about that for new people on your team and the experts on your team, you know, however, like we, we talked about it in a lot of different ways, problem solving for how do you still maintain the level of productivity that you want as a whole for your department and you don't do the work anymore because that's really, that's the big shift that happens after we become moms is we, we want to figure out how to take on less so we can be more productive and still maintain at the same level. Right. Yeah. But we couldn't have had those conversations until you did that. Like, because there was, oh my God. it would have all been yeah. theoretical on some level. Or you, I don't even think your brain would have even been able to no, problem solve no. or strategically think about that until it's like, right, I'm not, I'm not going to stay late for that meeting. So now what do I need to do? And all of a sudden you have now a much more equipped team that is much more productive as a whole. And you're not, you know, you're not the one doing all the work. Yeah. And I think like when I was still working through that and it didn't come, I feel like a lot of it now is like, it's easy for me to make those decisions. Right. But when I was working through it and trying to like, let myself leave at five or let my team do the work, I kept, I would write down sometimes like, what are they paying me for? For for my brain, that was like the question <laughs> I would ask. It's like, okay, what are my bosses actually paying me for? And of the list of things that I have that I'm a little overwhelmed by right now, two of them are the things they're paying me for. Like they're paying me to solve the problem. They're paying me to like Such deal with the question. difficult crap. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, wow, it's really that simple. I just, I want to make sure everybody paused and heard that. Like when you're looking at an overwhelming to-do list, one way to help you figure out what to do is to stop and ask, what am I actually being paid to do here? Like that I, my brain in particular is being paid to do. <laughs> Such a great question. Well, and it's so, it's so funny too, because it's like, I can very easily help mentor and coach my team and tell them the things that they don't need to be doing, or even other departments. Like I, you know, we, I work with a strategist a lot and they come to me and I'm like, that's something somebody on my team should be doing. You don't waste your brain space with that because your brain needs to be focused on this and our account planner should focus on that. So easy for me to tell other people that, right? And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like maybe I should be having this conversation with myself. Like there's so many things that I am doing that we are paying our account planners or our strategists to do. Not me. That's not not why I'm here. That's not my value to the company. But that's hard because I think when we started, I wanted my value to the company to be literally in every area. You know what I mean? It was like, I, and, and when you do that, when you spread yourself in all of those areas, you're not doing anything really well. Right. Which is why we start so very clearly in, in diving into like, what makes you, you, what are your strengths? What are your values? What kind of value do you bring to the table? Because you have, you have to know that in order to start just making some of these decisions around where you can say no and where you can't and and so forth. And a word that you would use a lot and have used a lot more recently as we've talked, you know, we've had these conversations about how far you've come has been the word just priorities, like knowing what is what is most important to you. And some of that is like recognizing what's just important to you as a human being <laughs> and where what brings you that kind of energy and always it's 
like the things that bring you energy are the things that usually are your strengths, right? That you bring to the table naturally. Like those things go hand in hand when you start to be able to to name those. And you you definitely went through a process of thinking about what are my priorities? What are my priorities at my work? What are my priorities as a mom? What are my priorities in our household? What's priorities in our marriage for me? Like what what do I think is top of the list? Talk a little bit about that process for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the process, I think it's overwhelming. I think like when, for me, I'm the kind of person that I have to write things down. So like, obviously, like when we were in our sessions, I always had my little notebook off to the side and I'm like jotting things down. And I I think when we started, I was so overwhelmed by all the things that I thought were priorities that even writing them down was overwhelming. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, oh my God, this is such an exhaustive list. But then it's like, again, going back to what's really important and reminding myself that like, I in, in this list of priorities, it's not actually humanly possible to do all these things. So it's not that you don't want to or that people are going to think poorly of you because you don't do them. It's just like, that's not even actually a thing you could accomplish. So let's actually look at this logically, take some emotion out of it. And think through like what what are the things that literally like could fall off the list and it would never matter. Like what's the the least amount of damage that could be done on on these things, you know? And so for me, when we started, I literally was writing lists almost daily to help me like get through that process. I don't do it as much now. I feel like again, it's a little bit more. I don't have to always write it down. I can kind of do it in my own head. Like what kind um, of things would you write down? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I would literally have like the next day I would be like, oh my God, here's the list of things that I didn't get done today. And it would, it could be super tactical stuff. Right. And then like my home life came in like, oh, the clothes are in the dryer that have been there for four days. Like that's Drew's probably really annoyed with me that the, the clothes are in the dryer. He doesn't care. Like, but it's something, you know what I mean? It's just all these little tactical things. And then just looking at that list, home life and work life, it's like, what can give? What what does no one give a shit about if I took those off the list? Like these are not important. You just are assigning yourself to them because you think someone might care about them. And so I think me going through that process and saying like, there's got to be a handful of things that only I can do. And what are those things? And make those your priorities. Certainly like replying back to certain emails. And we all, we all have that tactical stuff that we have to address. But there were so many things on my list that other people could do and should do because it's their job. Or maybe I could actually ask them for help instead of feeling like I always have to help them. Um, same goes for my husband. Like my poor husband is like, if you just asked me to do the thing, I'd I'd do the thing. Like it doesn't bother me. Like I'll I'll do the dishes every night. Like is that what you do? You need my help? And it's like, oh, I guess if I just ask people for help, sometimes they're happy to help. And it doesn't always have to be me that's the helper. Like I can also ask for help, especially when it's stuff that, from a job perspective. When it's stuff my team should do or things that I want my team to grow in, like I shouldn't be doing those things. Like take a stab at it, you know, have my team take a stab at it. So definitely went from like, I mean, I was making a lot of lists, Rebecca, like list making queen over here. Yeah, but it helped. Sure. 
but it helped you. It got it out of your brain and you looked at it and you were like, wait a second. Hmm. What do I really think about this? Is this really important? What is really important here? It allowed you to do some evaluative work to figure out like your brain thought all of these things were for sure important and urgent. Like you need to get them all done and you're not getting them done. And so now you're feeling completely inadequate and like a failure and you're disappointing everyone out there. Like your brain for sure thought all of those things and it felt very extreme. And, you know, talking about it now, we, of course, we know that that wasn't true. We knew it wasn't true then too, but that was what your brain was offering to you was that everybody was disappointed in you. You can't get enough done. You're failing on all fronts. (laughs) Great. And what kind of like, we can't create balance from that place, right? You can't, you have to, you have to fix that internal dialogue going off in order to, to create, to create a life of, of balance ultimately, because that, that's what eats away at us is all of those thoughts and those feelings about ourselves. Yeah. And the only, yeah. And it's like, it was all in my head, you know, like it's just, and I just had to pause and think through it or have people, I mean, sometimes just the affirmations too, from like, I would ask my boss, I'm like, I, I know you asked me to do this. I don't think I'm the best person to do this after I've thought through this and I don't really have the time to do it. Being able to say that to my boss and then having her respond back and be like, yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll follow up with somebody else. Like, oh, oh my God, I can, yes. I can do that. But it just took me having to like sit back and think about it. And I don't know if you remember this, but I literally had a list in my notebook and there, there were like four or five questions that I had to ask myself to decide if something yes. was a priority. I wish oh, I, I had we my had notebook a, with me. We had an entire session over that where it was like a filter. Oh my gosh, we yeah. were creating filters because you always felt like you were supposed to do everything for everyone and you were feeling so terrible about yourself. We're like, no, you're not allowed to do something unless it fits one of these four categories. And we, we figured out what those four categories were, or those four questions to ask yourself. And like, here's the filter. If it's making it all the way through, then go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as I stopped doing some of the things that I would always do, or I actually committed to those boundaries a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, I realized the world didn't end. Like, oh my God, I didn't do all these things and the world didn't end. Everything was fine. And also I have a weight lifted from me. I don't feel like so overwhelmed. So sometimes it just took the time to do the thing and see that, you know, nothing terrible happened. Yeah. Everyone went on, you know, like, yeah. The worst case scenario Mm -hmm. was nothing happened. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing happened. The worst case scenario a lot of times is an uncomfortable moment, right? When you tell someone no, or you feel like you're disappointing someone, it's like the worst possible thing that can happen is you're going to have a moment that you have a conversation with someone and it gets uncomfortable. That moment passes. The next day you move on. It's fine. You addressed it. It's just, you just have to know that there's going to be an uncomfortable moment. I love it. I mean, so much of, of our decision-making is about avoiding discomfort. I mean, you know, our, our brain wants to avoid it at all costs. Our, our really, it's, its focus is like, let me keep you safe. Let me keep you comfortable. And anything that it perceives as being potentially disappointing, you're just, you're going to, your, your brain is going to want to put up a wall to it. Right. And so, which is, which is, (laughs) which is why that willingness, like going through the process of figuring out how does Aaron want to like handle this moment that feels 
compassionate and kind to herself and allows her to just move past this so that she can she knows that, that she can handle the discomfort of this conversation and of saying no and she's going to have a moment with herself that she's going to be nice and kind and then she's going to move on and you you knew that you could do that and and then you stopped avo- you know you just stopped avoiding all of the all of the discomfort and you faced it head on and half the time is you realize it wasn't even like there wasn't even anything there. They just said, oh, okay, great. We'll just do it tomorrow. And there wasn't even yeah. an uncomfortable moment. Or they said, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. You shouldn't be doing that. Let me give that to somebody else. Oh, okay, great. Like it wasn't really uncomfortable. That wasn't hard at all. How, <laughs> I know. how have I not been doing this for years? Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. And it's just, I don't know. It's so, it's so fun too, Rebecca, because I wish you could like come sit in some of my meetings with my team now too, because I'm <laughs> like coaching them on the same thing you were coaching me on. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so evolved. Look at me like helping people with stuff <laughs> so that good. I needed help with. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love the idea that the coaching continues and that, that you ultimately, ultimately learn how to self-coach yourself. Like that's a big, a big thing that I, as a coach want to instill in anybody that I work with, like giving them the tools to not always have to depend on me as their coach or hiring a coach or something to like figure, figure their own stuff out. Right. Like I want to give you some of the tools to be able to do this on your own so that you're not, you feel the the empowerment and the ownership over how to create the life that you want for yourself. And you're, of course, this is going to evolve like over the next couple of years. Kennedy gets older, new challenges are going to be faced. Like the tools are still all going to be there as you, as life evolves and circumstances change for you to continue to decide, okay, what's most important? Where do I bring the most value now? What is the boundaries that I want to set today? And have all of the, you're going to have to go through a process of reevaluating all those things. And you know how to do that now. And you know, what are the roadblocks that get in the way of you? usually being able to hold to boundaries or set your priorities. It's like, oh, right. I'm always, I'm just worried that somebody's going to be disappointed. I know how to deal with that. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think it will be interesting to see as my life changes and evolves, like even figuring out like right now what my values are and right now what people value in me, how does that change? And making sure that like I evolve with that and don't just, you know, the, the whole, what are they paying me for? conversation I have with myself, yeah. that may change. They may be paying me for something totally different oh, totally. in a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah. So you need to evolve that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love it. One thing you said to me when we were talking last week and I wrote it down because I just loved it so much, which is how will my kid describe me in a year from now, in 10 years from now, in 15 years from now? And it was kind of juxtapos- juxtaposed against like what you know, is my, what is my team going to think about me? (laughs) And like, which question here is more important to me as I'm trying to make some of these decisions to create balance in my life? (laughs) Well, and that whole, that whole thing came up because I was kind of telling you like the pivotal moment for me, while of course all of your coaching was so helpful, but the pivotal moment for me was my kid helping me understand what's most important. And Kennedy, my little girl was probably, gosh, I don't know. She was probably like 16 months or so. And it was one of those days where it was a crazy day at work and I had to come pick her up from daycare and there were still some things that were outstanding. So I get her from daycare. I'm on the phone while I'm picking her up. She's in the backseat talking. I'm still trying to have this call. 
we pull in the garage, hang up from the call, get inside. And I'm like, okay, how can I entertain her? I've got her in my lap, a book in my hand and my phone in my other hand. And I'm messaging my team and I'm troubleshooting and I'm, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, and Kennedy's getting frustrated because I'm not actually reading to her. I'm pretending to read to her. I've just got the book in her face and I'm kind of disengaged from my team. I'm, I'm giving them answers, but I'm distracted. And finally, at a certain point, again, Kennedy, she's a baby, looks at me and just like, I mean, she was pissed. And she just hit (laughs) that phone out of my hand and was like, read. And I'm like, oh my God. Wow. You're right, Kennedy. This is your time. This is not my work time. Like this is my sacred time for you. And it was like, I mean, I could have felt guilty in that moment. And I'm sure I felt a little guilty, but it was more like, nope, you know what? This is the time right now. I need to change my behavior because I don't want her to look back 10, 15 years and remember me as the mom who had her on one side and my phone or my computer on the other. Like that is just not what I want for her. Thank God she did that. I just, it was like, I'm sure I would have gotten to that point at some point, but that was such a disruption. Very, yeah. I love that for sure. I love that word. It was a disruption. It was an interruption, a disruption of of what you were doing and the habits and the ba- and the boundaries that weren't working for you. And things really begin to shift after that. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know, from that moment on was when I also started to be a little bit more communicative to my team about the boundaries I was setting up and saying to them like, hey, you guys, I certainly will log back on. My, my whole thing was... I work until 4.30, I go get Kennedy, and then I'll dial back in between 7.30 and 8.30 to kind of finish up the day. And that's my commitment to you. Um, But I just realized as I communicated that to them and I told them that this is my schedule now, everybody so respected that. And some of my team started saying, you know, I really need to do that too. And like my kids are getting older and they're noticing I'm working so much while they're at home. And so I think you know, as a leader, when you actually show that kind of behavior, it makes it acceptable. And, and your team realizes that that is what we want for them. I don't want my team here at work until eight o'clock every night and not spending time with their family because in, in the end, th- like they're going to be so unhappy and they're not going to be good performers at work either. Like, and so why would I ever want that for them? But I think me actually taking a stand and communicating that made it okay for some people, you know, and I'm so glad I did. Like I'm, I feel so much better about life, work and mom wife life and that it's all because of those boundaries. And I'm actually fully present in, in those moments now, you know, so So good. And I actually, I was curious about a shift that may have happened you know, in that moment or what, you know, you've been in the process of, of shifting, but that, that moment, just as you said, really disrupted a lot of things, but like how you're feeling about yourself as a mom, because that's a really big piece of creating balance too. Because if you're feeling really crappy as a mom and feeling like you're letting them down and that there's not enough time and that you're not giving them what they need. And you have all of these scripts of like on some base level failure, right? Like you carry that into work with you and you carry those feelings into work. So I'm curious, like the shift that you've had around your thoughts about yourself as a mom. I, 
yeah, man, it's been like, I feel just like I am the best mom for Kennedy. Like I am just, we were made for each other. I, you know, it's just (laughs) that whole, like, you know, I, I feel so much more confident in everything I do as a mom. And it's those moments where you literally, you don't have your phone, you don't have your computer and you're so focused. And like the way she looks at me makes me know that I am, I'm killing it as a mom right now. And there are those moments, we all have that, right? We all have those moments where you're like, this morning, I told you it was like the biggest shit show morning (laughs) that I've had in a long time. But at the same time, I'm dropping Kennedy off at daycare and the look that she has, you know, when I'm saying goodbye, it's like, okay, I'm doing a good job. Even though this morning was crazy town and the way she looked at me when I left, it's like, okay, I'm doing my job. Like I am, I'm a good mom. And that makes me feel better when I go to work every day. And I'm just more confident. I don't even, like, I always thought that I was a confident person when it came to my career, but I'm way more confident now because I think I like who I am more now (laughs) than I ever have, Hmm. you know? I so love that. And that, and I'm way more like at peace with everything, like decision making. And it's just one of my bosses described me yesterday during my mid-year evaluation as just calm. You're just a lot more calm and even keeled. And this is coming from my boss who is like the most even keeled. And I'm sure he always was like, oh my God, there goes Aaron, crazy town. But he's like, I just like, you're just like on the level now. And that's awesome. And I think other people are feeling that too. And I'm able to, to bring that calm to my team and, and help them make decisions in a better way because I'm more calm and I'm more confident in every aspect of my life. I love it. So let's just recap here because I want to make sure after all of these things that we've talked about, what you're, what you're saying is that you are feeling amazing about yourself as a mom. You feel super clear around what you bring to your company and where your strengths are and where your priorities lie. You are leaving work at roughly 4.30 every single day. You have empowered your team to do more tasks. So you're doing less of the tasks that you shouldn't be doing and the busy work. And you're doing much more of the work that you should be doing and the things that are life-giving to you ultimately. So work feels more exciting and and empowering for you. And I know overall, and we haven't really even talked about this, but just in terms of quantity of hours worked, like you're working less and you're achieving at the same level and you're just got a glowing review that said you're doing awesome and like you're calmer and more clear and more like the leader that we need you to be than maybe you ever have been before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think the thing that's so crazy is like, I feel like you could have looked at my schedule and and seen the amount of hours I was putting in like a year ago. But when you compare the efficiency, that's where, where it gets crazy. I'm working, I think I'm working less hours, but I'm far more efficient. So I'm probably getting way more done now than I was, you know? And I'm empowering my team at the same time. Like I've backed out of things and they're doing such a great job. And for me, selfishly, that feels really good. Of course, you know? of like, course. That's awesome to see. So, so it's not even that and, just you are more productive. Like th- as a whole, your whole team, your whole department is is 
getting more productive as you have you have done less and empowered them more and become the leader that they need in order to to rise up. Yeah, for sure. And they've helped me do that so much too. Like I and I love them for that. I'm so grateful for that. And again, I think that's all about like transparency and communication. And that's been awesome. That's been so awesome. So good. Oh, Aaron, this has been so fun to talk about and to just hear very candidly like your process and what has worked for you and how you have gotten to this point. There's just so much to celebrate in your transformation over in less than a year, for sure. And in the middle of COVID and, you know, add on top of all of those things, for sure. <laughs> Lots of bands. It's been amazing. It's you're just I'm so proud of of the work that you've done. And I just appreciate well, you coming you. here and sharing. Yeah, no, it's been so awesome. And I literally like, again, our, my boss was like, tell me about like, how's the coaching going? And it's just like the story that I would tell just kept evolving as I kept growing. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, like the last couple of weeks, I'm like, it's kind of been life changing. Like it really has because I'm just, I'm kind of a different person, you know? I mean, at the core, I'm, I'm, I'm the same person I've always been. I'm just a much better version of myself for my kid my husband and my team. And so that's just been so huge. And I just feel like so much better about life, you know? So good. It's so good, Aaron. Oh, I love it. Well, any parting words for listeners out there? Oh my gosh. Don't put me on the spot. I'll probably say something really weird. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No, I guess my, no, my biggest thing though is it's like, the boundaries thing, I feel like that's that's one of those things that, I mean, like you follow blogs, you follow Instagram accounts, you read articles and it's it's there, right? Like everybody talks about boundaries and respecting that and setting that up. And it's just like, it's so true though. And like literally you are the only person in, in your way. Set, your, set the boundaries and let people know those boundaries and they will respect it and you become so much better by it. It was so hard for me to set those boundaries. But when I did, that little, little tiny thing that I did in setting a boundary and telling people I was doing that had such impact. Yeah. And it's just such a tiny impact. thing. Yeah. 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 It's so easy. People. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. I love it. For sure. Uh All right. Well, this has been fabulous. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want a little extra support as a working mom, I invite you to download my free training, The Secret to Ending Your Workday at 5 p.m. In this free training, I teach you how to shut down your computer and your work brain at exactly the time you want without all those feelings of guilt and like you need to log back on. By the end of this training, you will know exactly what you need to think and do in order to fully engage with your family, even after a long workday. To sign up for the training, you can go to www.ambitiousandbalancedcollective.com forward slash end dash work dash at dash 5 p.m. If you didn't catch all that, don't worry. Check the show notes for a direct link. All right, working moms, let's get to it. 